to say several things about this, just trying to work our way through the passage. And just trying to think about what some of the implications are of this for us. He says, now concerning. So I think this is a topic they asked him about in their letter. The collection for the saints. The Bible teaches Christians to be generous. And certainly links collection with benevolence. Acts 2, Acts 4, Acts 6, Acts 11. And this passage that teaches a regular systematic collection, it was for the saints. So I think we've got abundant biblical proof that it's right for churches to collect money for needy Christians. In this case, for needy Christians in another place. Uh, That may or may not be what we're used to. I had one brother tell me a few years ago, until 10 years ago, I'd never even heard about benevolence. And I wondered if he'd read the Bible. But, uh, you know, I mean, maybe not that word, but certainly the concept of, of Christians collecting money to give to needy people. It's for the collection for the saints. And I put on this slide, the passages to deal with, and that should be second one, Acts 4, 32 to 35. But uh, the passages that deal with uh, the church providing for the needy. says those who believe, believers, relief of the brethren, the saints, 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 and widows indeed. So, I don't know of a passage that authorizes the church to provide for the benevolent needs of non-Christians. I know of passages where Christians are to do that, but not where churches are to do that. And so in the absence of authority for that, then I believe we ought to limit ourselves to what the Bible authorizes. Now, when we think about the collection for the saints, can we use the collection for other things besides the saints? And I want you to think about a couple of things. One is that there are examples in the Bible and teaching in the Bible that would authorize churches to do things that involve financial resources other than benevolence. For example, supporting preachers. We looked at that in 1 Corinthians 9, you've got 2 Corinthians 11, verses 8 9, Philippians 4, etc. Now, I don't know any other way for a church to raise its money than by the contributions of its members. So I would assume that it's also possible for churches to collect to support preaching, since we've got those pattern, that pattern. I would imagine that any work that God gives the church to do that requires money would be funded in the same way. I know I don't know how else it would be. Um, so we can know how money was raised in this passage. But perhaps we would consult other passages to understand all the things that it would be proper for a church to raise money for by the by collecting, by, by the gifts of Christians. Now, there was a purpose. This was a collection for the saints. It was not a collection to a massive treasury. They gave for a specific reason. Now, it doesn't mean all the money had to be spent on that day. They were collecting the money up for a period of time. But there was a purpose. Sometimes we have in mind, well, we just need to collect that money. You never know. So we collect up 10,000, 100,000, a million, and whatever. 
and uh, we'll just we got money in case we need it. I, I don't really think that's the biblical pattern. I think the biblical pattern is there's a purpose. You collect for the saints or for some other biblically authorized purpose for the church to give. Guys, very, very matter of fact about this. There's no gimmicks, no emotion. There was a need the Corinthians could help, so he directed them concerning the collection for the saints. Now look at the rest of verse 1. As I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. The churches of Galatia, I believe, are churches like Derby and Iconium and Lystra and so forth. And you see again that idea of the New Testament being a blueprint, a pattern that all the churches should follow. What one church practiced, the other should. There's one more. This is what today's churches ought to practice and follow. And it is on the first day of every week. Now that's when they came together, I believe. At least one of the special times they came together. Acts 20 and verse 7 would indicate that as well. I believe giving can be done at other times. Acts 2, Acts 4, I think illustrate that. Perhaps, though, only on the first day of the week would it be appropriate for the church to collect funds, so to speak. Um, I would notice with you, as far as I can see, there's nothing in this passage to indicate that the giving has to be done as a part of a worship service. I realize in the U.S. that is very common that there's a period of time where a basket is passed or whatever and a collection is made. Very common in Brazil uh, for churches to have a place where people give their money before church, after church, whatever. I know of other churches who do the same thing in the U.S. And as far as I can tell, there's nothing in here that says specifically this is to be a part of the worship assembly. I believe we're okay to do it that way. I don't believe that it's required. He said each of you is put aside and saved. Now, I believe he means put aside and save together, collectively. I don't think he means put in your piggy bank at home. Now, a lot of commentators think so. They think so based upon the, the language here. But if he meant that, why well, have the first day of the week? If you're going to put it in your piggy bank at home, do it any day. And he says, so that no collections be made when I come. Which is to say, I don't want to have to go from house to house collecting it up. Bring it together and collect it weekly. So that when I come, it'll all be together. Not, I'll have to go to various piggy banks to get it. Um, so I believe that the context shows this is to be collected together. Um, perhaps Paul was afraid that collections at the last minute would be less generous. You know, scraping together funds, rustling up whatever he can. He doesn't want to have to come and launch a fund drive when he gets there. He wants the money to already be ready. Paul himself hopes to go with the money, but not carry the money. He intends for every church to be selecting their own messengers to take the money. Can you imagine what would happen if Paul was going from church to church saying, Okay, I'll take your money to Jerusalem, thank you. And he keeps putting it in his pocket. You know, sooner or later, he's got plenty of enemies that are going to say, you don't think he got there with all that money, do you? You know, who knows how much he's got. Every church finds their own men that they trust to carry the money. And if possible, Paul is hoping that he can go with that money, but not carry it. A large amount of money could be a temptation to anyone, perhaps. And so Paul is not going to do that. Now that's what I see there. 
You know, we struggle more maybe with looking at passages that we've read often. You know, we get our mind in kind of a rut. And so I may have said a couple things that, that might be a slightly unorthodox. But just keep going back, especially in passages you know well. Just say, wait a minute, what does this say? You know, what what do I get out of this? And 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 it's good. We've done a lot here this week, asking questions and, and reflecting. And that certainly helps us understand. Questions and comments. Yeah. I think so. 
least they disconnect and discontinue collecting for the saints in Jerusalem. Now they may have continued collecting, as we were talking about, for other purposes. Uh, but yes, when Paul took a company for collection, then that would stop. But but as they had other needs, then they would do the same thing. Jason, your statement about not give any other day, but only a collection on Sunday. Can you? Yeah, I don't have a lot to say about that. It looks to me like an Acts 2 and Acts 4 money was given at the Apostles' feet without reference to a specific day. Uh, but here, it seems to be on the first day of the week where they come and bring their money and collect it together. Uh, so I'm assuming that giving could be done on other days, but not just collecting up funds in an organized way.
well. I mean, this seems to have been a generalized teaching. Paul emphasizing he teaches the same thing in every church, taught it in the church of Galatia, taught it in the church of Macedonia, we'll see in 2 Corinthians and so forth. So why would we assume that somehow this doesn't continue to be principles that we're following? Everything else does. Joe. Good point, yes. We would still have that responsibility. First Timothy 5 shows the continuing responsibility of the widow.
couldn't prosper, you couldn't get that. Okay, good question. What are the parameters for a needy saint? You might think about two or three things. First of the five would suggest one that doesn't have Christian relatives to support them. Second Thessalonians 3 would say one who's willing to work. Um, and then I think there is the concept of need. Um, maybe we should look at it this way. I shouldn't want to be the recipient of benevolence unless it's necessary. By, by my loving others, I would rather give than receive. I'm willing to receive, and it's humbling to. I'm willing to humble myself to do that, but not unnecessarily. I would prefer to give if I can. doesn't mean we're outside of the will of God. 
it may often be that the place of greatest danger is the place of greatest opportunity. So Paul's determined for now to stay in Ephesus. A little later he'll be traveling. His intention right now, Macedonia, Corinth, Macedonia. Uh, we'll see how that uh, works out for him. But uh, that's, that's kind of his, you know, giving them his current plan as far as traveling to Corinth. Comments and questions? Financial or otherwise, helping with whatever he needs to make it on to the next place. That's a verb used a few times in the New Testament for that. Ten to twelve. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to you. For I am waiting for him. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come to you with the brethren. He was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has been. Travel plans of other brethren. Timothy, if he comes, make sure he doesn't have reason to be afraid. He commends him strongly because of his work. Don't let anybody look down on him. Send him on his way in I think Timothy may have been fairly easily intimidated, but I'll leave that uh, with you to uh, research or think about. Uh, but at any rate, he wants them to treat Timothy well and to send him on his way to provide for him uh, to go wherever he needs to go. Um, Apollos. Paul really tried to get Apollos to come. And he won his will to do so now. He will when he has opportunity. It's been interesting that Apollos thought that he had the right to withstand Paul's encouragement to come. Paul really tried to get him to an apostle. You didn't have to obey Paul's advice. You know, Paul didn't feel like he had to, you know, he could tell Apollos, you got to go there, and Apollos felt like, i got to go. Uh, Apollos didn't think this was the appropriate time. I don't know what all the factors were in that. I don't even know if Paul did, but Apollos hopes to come later. The now concerning here, the but concerning, may mean they ask Paul about a policy. Thoughts and comments through 12. Joe. Paul 
They're called what in the code? That's right. Yes, ma'am. Thirteen and fourteen. Very crisp, parting exhortations almost remind you of a general to his troops when he's entering into battle. Be on the alert. You know, be watchful. Don't play around. We're at war. You got to be ready. Stand firm in the faith. Hold your ground, no retreating, no doubt, no wavering. Don't uh, relent in your conviction. Stand firm in the faith and the truth of the gospel. Act like men. I think he means be strong, be courageous, be heroic, be tough. Don't be childish. Be strong. No moral weakness. Let all that you do be done in love. That's the very atmosphere we live in. And that distills the message of the letter into a single sentence. Isn't that what Paul said in this letter? Verse 22, he mentions love. Verse 24, he mentions love. Love has been a real theme throughout this. Because love solves so many of their earlier problems. The quarrels, uh, the lawsuits, the lack of concern for the weak, the abuse of the Lord's Supper, and so forth and so on. All they do needs to be done in love. That would make a great sermon. That would make a great motto. Those five exhortations really sum up preparedness as a Christian. Thoughts and comments. Fifteen to eighteen. So, he uh, is recommending these three households, especially Stephanus' household, because they were the first fruits of Achaia, some of the first ones converted, and they devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, and they really need to respect and be subject, subject, be subject to good men like this. Uh, Stephanus has just sacrificed himself for the Lord. And, and he mentions how these three men, Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, have come to Paul and, and blessed him from them. I take it that these three men were sent by the church of Corinth to go to Paul, to maybe be a help to him, be a strength to him, whatever. And uh, so uh, they, they supplied what was lacking uh, on their part. In other words, they, they uh, provided... Um, encouragement, help, whatever for Paul from the church of Corinth. I'm guessing they're taking the letter back with them. That's my guess. And so he's encouraging them to respect and acknowledge men like this that have been so useful and dedicated to the work of the Lord. Comments and thoughts? Yes? 
Absolutely. Good servants of God aren't seeking recognition. We need to recognize them and respect them. But they're not trying to get that for themselves. Other questions and comments? 
encourage these brethren in this location to get to know them and continue extending my family. Amen. We really need these close bonds among brethren in various places. We ought to do all we can to encourage and foster that. I think definitely, very much so. And uh, you see that throughout the New Testament. And uh, one of the blessings of gatherings like this, we say, is this. But like you say, when you're traveling, visiting brethren, and, and there's all kinds of means of communication and transportation today, it really facilitates close contact with brethren in various places. Y'all aren't very good about giving feedback in previous years. 